Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? This is Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. And this is it. This is the first episode of this podcast that we're doing where we're going to, you know, talk all about the Falcons in the coming months, the drafts, the lead up to the season, the season, maybe a postseason, who knows? Um, But it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, As I said, you know, I'm going to be your host. The plan is to, you know, at some point uh, grab a co-host. I'm not going to just be running solo this whole time, but I am really excited to get the opportunity to kind of talk about the Falcons with you all, share some of my experiences, you know, as a reporter with the the team website and being inside of the building, being at practices, press conferences, all of the stories that I've gotten kind of throughout the years. But I grew up in Atlanta, you know, first and foremost, before I, I was inside of the industry, I was a fan. I was a fan of the Falcons. I was a fan of all of the major home team, team sports, went to the University of Georgia, was fortunate enough to kind of have a job covering the George Bulldogs out of college and then got the opportunity to go and and work with the Atlanta Falcons and cover that team, cover an NFL franchise for four awesome seasons. So in this podcast, I really hope to get the opportunity to talk to some of the people I met along the way. The plan is hopefully to find a co-host here. But in the meantime, I'm going to be trying to find some some guests, bring some people on, uh, get them to share their stories, talk a lot about you know, probably the drafts coming up first and foremost, talk with some people who have been watching the tape, who are plugged in and can give us a little bit of insight on what the Falcons are going to do with a really interesting number four pick, a lot of different directions they can go. And I'll be talking about that, you know, in greater length here in a minute during kind of the main part of the podcast. But this podcast is going to touch on everything. Once the draft is over, we're going to start diving into you know, the outlook for this season. And in kind of the down times, I'm going to try to get creative, come up with with some interesting, you know, maybe rankings, maybe we'll do some redrafts, maybe we'll have some trivia, who knows, play some games, let's we'll keep it fun, we'll keep it light. Um, If you're a Falcons fan, you know, maybe you're coming on board with Arthur and Terry and, and a new regime, maybe you have, like myself, lived and died Falcons for several decades now. And you know, probably died a little bit more than you lived, unfortunately. And hopefully that changes moving forward. But if you're already here, if you're listening, you know, please like and subscribe. But more importantly, I would really love to get your feedback. You know, leave a note. Let me know how I can get better. That's kind of why why I'm doing this. There's going to be some bumps along the way. I'm certainly not perfect as, as a podcaster, but it's it's going to be fun. It's It's a new challenge and I would like to learn and get better. And hopefully that makes things better for you all as well. So please provide the feedback. If you've got ideas, if you've got questions, you know, hit me up on Twitter at Will McFadden, send me some questions, you know, maybe we'll compile them and and do mailback episodes. For now, we're going to get things kicked off and take a look at, at a really, really important upcoming event called the NFL draft. All 
All right. So now let's get to kind of our main topic today, which is the NFL draft. The Atlanta Falcons have the number four overall pick in this year's draft. San Francisco notably recently traded up in front of them to number three. Some people think that that's for Mac Jones. Uh, I tend to, you know, believe that smoke screens are very real. And so I'm withholding uh, my opinion on, on whether or not I think San Francisco is absolutely going Mac Jones at, at three. I do think there's an outside chance they go some somebody else. But this is not a San Francisco 49ers podcast. It's an Atlanta Falcons podcast. The only reason I bring up the 49ers is because regardless of the direction they do go, it seems very likely that they will go quarterback. So as much as I hate this cliche, it is probably true that the Falcons are kind of the first point in the draft that things get interesting. And they get interesting because there are really three directions the Falcons can go and you can make a very strong argument for any of those directions, which is exactly what I will be doing here today. So what I'm going to do is basically just each of the three top arguments. So trade back and accumulate picks, take the best player available or take the best quarterback in this draft that that they have left on their board. So those are the three key options. I'm going to argue each of them and it's just going to be a little bit of a thought exercise to see you know, what exactly should the Falcons do? Now, none of this is to say that this is what they will do um, or even what they should do, because I don't have access to the draft board that they are looking at day in and day out. We don't really know what their short term, long term plans are. Yes, they could say that they want to be competitive immediately. All teams want to be competitive immediately, but ultimately they need to figure out the best plan of action so that they can utilize the talent that they have on the roster right now while also not sacrificing the ability to put together a really complete roster by 2022-2023. So with all of that in mind, let's just, uh, we'll get into it. And I'm going to kick things off kind of with the trade back and accumulate picks argument, which I think, you know, by and large, this is probably the category that a lot of fans would be lumped in, you know, whether or not they would want to do best player available or quarterback, everybody's kind of on board with the notion of you're in a very coveted position, try to get the biggest haul possible because everybody hears that the draft is a crapshoot. And it kind of is. I mean, I looked into this and I think that the teams, instead of looking at those as draft picks and capital to get back, they need to have specific players in mind or positions in mind where they can find the value commensurate with the pick that they're getting back. Because, you know, the Browns are a classic example of this. What did they really get out of that Julio Jones trade? None of the players that they picked with the extra, you know, King's ransom of picks that Atlanta gave them ever amounted to anything. So did they really capitalize on that situation? These are the questions that, you know, I think they need to be asking. Are the elite prospects that you're going to pass up by moving back? And they may move back a couple spots. They could move back to the end of the first round. They could move out of the first round entirely. Everything's on the table. But the guys that you're passing up at number four, where you can essentially have your pick of the board at any other skill position outside of quarterback, is that talent worth passing up for four extra draft picks? You know, the answer may be yes, but... There are some really elite players in this draft that that will be on the board. Everybody mentions Kyle Pitts. I love Jamar Chase. Devontae Smith, amazing player. Jalen Waddle, really, really good. The defense isn't as as crowded here. I, I think I like really both of the offensive tackle prospects, uh, Slater and Sewell as well. But 
are are they really worth not getting extra picks? That's the question there. And I, I think positional value kind of comes into play with this a little bit as well. But in my opinion, if you've got a player who transcends the position that they play, then positional value doesn't matter. And that's kind of at the heart of the best player available conversation as well is, look, if you're getting somebody who just, they can play outside of the parameters of the position that they play, that's what a top five pick should be. You know, people would would say, don't ever draft a, a running back. But I think if you're redoing Christian McCaffrey's draft, he's probably one of the first players off of the board solely because he does, you know, wide receiver things as well. He is a true dual position player. Aaron Donald, kind of the old adage is get the edge rushers, bring the edge pressure. You don't necessarily need the defensive tackle as a top five pick. Aaron Donald would be the first player probably off the board in his draft year if if you could redo it again. So that's where I push back a little bit on the kind of positional value thing. If there is a guy that you believe can transcend that, I think Kyle Pitts is kind of the obvious example in this year's draft. Now, the other thing to look at when you're trading back, you've got to find a partner who wants to do it. Now, I don't think the Falcons are going to really have an issue with that this year, given kind of the specific situation that they're in with with two quarterbacks still going to be on the board there that a lot of teams are going to like. You know, a lot of quarterback needy teams in this draft, kind of in the mid rounds, can they they probably could get somebody to to move up if they need to. And they've got the luxury and benefit right now. Everybody knows where everybody stands kind of with a few weeks left to go. The Falcons can be fielding calls right now, and they're going to have an idea of the landscape when they go into today one of the draft. And so that's to their advantage. But you have to find the package that works. And you have to find the team that's willing to, you know, give you what you want, because I think that the Falcons need to be bought out of this spot more than they need to be looking to move from it. I just don't think they're going to be in this position again, you know, anytime soon, or at least you hope that that's not the case. And finally, you know, when it comes to trading back, I did do all this research and it's there for anybody else to do. You can go look back at every single draft that's taken place on Pro Football Reference. And so I just kind of did a little bit of research to figure out, you know, how often do teams have success when they move back? You know, how often do they still land a player who makes an impact? And it, as with everything in the draft, kind of came out about 50-50, but there were more specific examples of a team moving back just a couple of spots to get the guy that they wanted and that player really panning out better than the guy that was taken at the spot that they originally moved from. And so I think that there is the teams that have success with the trading back method are the teams that really understand the value of the draft board. They know kind of what everybody else is looking to do, and they know where the depth is strongest for each class. That may be the second round, that may be the third round. Maybe it's on day three. They know what positions are deepest. We've heard about wide receiver the past couple of drafts. I find it interesting that last year the receivers didn't actually go as highly in the first round as people maybe thought. And there were a couple that that slipped a little further. But I think that was because a lot of teams said, why do we need to waste our first round pick on a wide receiver when we could get a day one starter in the third round? And so when there's a, a deep position like that, the good teams, the good GMs will understand that and factor that into their decision making and grab a guy on, on day three instead of wasting, you know, a day one pick on somebody who is maybe just 5% better. Now, that may be worth it. I think it's worth it for a guy like Jamar Chase, but every draft is different. 
and Terry Fontenot, this is his first draft as a general manager. It'll be really interesting to see what he does. But one thing we do know about Terry Fontenot is that the dude loves best player available. That's what he said in his opening press conference. Uh, I was on that press conference and the one theme that kind of came out uh, from that was, look, we're not going to be afraid to add to a position of strength that currently exists on the roster. Because they have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Russell Gage at wide receiver, that's not going to preclude them from adding a wide receiver if they believe that's the best player available still on their board. And they believe that that player can turn into a future All-Pro. You would rather have a lot of future Pro Bowlers, future All-Pros on your roster, even if they're kind of at the same position, than than not, right? I mean, that that's kind of common sense. So that is what he has stated his approach will be. It will be very interesting to see if that is actually the approach that you take in this particular draft, given the situation that they're in. Because, yes, best player available, I think, is the best kind of default strategy to have. But it would be foolish not to pretend that there aren't some positions that the need to have somebody at that position is so great that it does truly trump whatever other approach you want to have. If you don't have a quarterback, first and foremost, the thing on your list needs to be, we have to go get a quarterback. Because if you don't have a quarterback, you really don't have anywhere to start at the NFL. That's just the way that this game is transitioned, the way that it's played now. You have to have a quarterback, first and foremost, even be in the conversation of contending. The Falcons do have a quarterback. They've got a good one that they can win with, and I still believe that they can win with him even at this stage of his career when he's, you know, 35, 36. But the position that they're in at number four in a class that is as strong at quarterback as any that we've had in a long time, only twice in history have quarterbacks gone one, two, and three. This seems like the third year that that's going to happen. You know, usually at least one or two of those quarterbacks, one, two, or three ends up panning out. Sometimes, you know, it's the fourth or fifth quarterback that that ends up being a little bit better. Anyway, this is a very strong quarterback class. So does the potential future need of a quarterback for Atlanta trump them taking the best player available? I'm going to be really fascinated to see how they answer that question, because I think it's clear that there is a truly generational prospect, whatever the hell that means, in this draft in Kyle Pitts, or at least that's the way that everybody is talking about him. And Having watched him, you know, I don't see any reason to view him differently. Now, we're all projecting, but his ceiling almost seems non-existent based on the sample size that we've seen, you know, against SEC competition this past year. He just has absolutely freakish, unseen before athleticism. He's he's like, you know, the way Giannis or Anthony Davis or somebody would be to the to the NBA. And so it, it's probably worth adding somebody of that value, maybe even over a quarterback. We'll see if if Terry Fano kind of goes and sticks to his word and goes best player available, maybe they do partner that with a trade and they go back to kind of what the Dolphins did and, and trade down to seven, eight and still take the best player available if they believe that, you know, there's a tier and they could be getting the second to last or last player in that top tier at position eight or nine. Um, so that's everything that they've got to be discussing right now. But also best player available means different things to different teams. What positions do those teams value? Are they you know, a, we want to spread you out and throw the ball. So we need a lot of receivers. We need a, an athletic tight end, but we need pass protection and, and stuff like that. Or are they, we're going to bring everybody in close and we're going to run the ball 30 times a game. You know, there aren't that many of those teams left, but 
you would rate different positions differently based on how you want to play. Is it a cover three scheme like the Falcons ran under Dan Quinn? Well, maybe that box safety jumps up a little higher in the pecking order because that specific defensive scheme needs that type of player to really make it work. Something that I was always fascinated by when I worked for the Falcons and just during draft time, it's when scouts look at a player and most will always only rely on the film. You know, you look at the stats, yes, but the film is you just try to go in as objectively as possible. And what do your eyes tell you? What do you see on the film and trust that? But do they look more for that kind of raw potential and talent that they believe they can then coach up? Because NFL coaches believe, hey, we get them in here and we can make this guy better than that other program, that college, that other team did. You need just that kind of ego to, to frankly succeed at, at that uh, such a competitive level. So do they look at the pure raw talent, the block of clay that they're going to be molding, or do they like, you know, a winner, frankly? You know, do they look at college stats and they say, holy shit, this guy threw for 45 touchdowns, three picks, and, you know, was a starter every single year. Like, the way that you package all of that together, and it does kind of get all packaged together, but every team will be slightly different from the rest in how they decide to tackle that specific question. So how they kind of go about, the Falcons go about building out their board. I mean, that's why this is all so exciting, right? Because we don't know any of these answers yet. This is the first time that they've ever done it. And it is, you know, the first time since Thomas Dimitrov's first draft where you have such an impactful pick that's at stake here. And for the first time in a long time, you know, we knew what Thomas wanted to do with with needs. You could almost pencil in. They need a corner. Okay, they draft A.J. Terrell. You know, they need a pass rusher. They get Zach McKinley. The Calvin Ridley year was kind of the one year where they maybe went against the grain a little bit. But I think that was absolutely the right decision. And it's proven out to be the right decision. So can Terry Fondo stick with best player available, even if that means passing up a quarterback or even if it's not necessarily at the most impactful position for what this roster needs now. Do they need a you know possible all-pro future tight end? Sure. Yeah, every team does. But looking on paper right now, what are their biggest needs? And you probably start on the defensive line with edge rusher, you know, even though that's probably now even more of a true outside linebacker edge uh, with Dean Pease. You could add another corner. They're going to need probably another young safety in here. Really, it's on the defensive side of the ball where the biggest needs are right now. But all of the top elite players are on the offensive side of the ball. So that's fascinating and, and something that fans should really keep in mind uh, heading into draft night is just to see see the types of decisions that are going to be made under this, this new regime. And that brings me now to kind of the biggest, most important question, taking the best quarterback who is still on the board. We'll, we'll leave Mac Jones kind of out there. So we'll really just be talking about three quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. Uh, I think of that three, Mac Jones is probably third uh, amongst Falcons fans, just based on, on those that I've seen on social media and interacted with uh, and heard from. It really kind of is down to seemingly Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And I think that that's Spot on from the people that I've talked to in the industry, it really does sound like genuinely like those are the quarterbacks that the Falcons have their eyes on. Um, I know Trey Lance has kind of picked up in recent weeks is maybe the the key tie in right there with with the Falcons. But the way that I look at quarterback for this team, and I mentioned a little bit earlier with weighting the importance of 
having a quarterback in hand versus not? And does that trump wanting to take the best player available, just the importance of that one position and having it versus not having it? Fans should look at this as as an investment. When you inherit a decent amount of money, those who have been fortunate enough to do so, if not, you know, let's let's pretend you get you graduate, you get a lot of cards with with some cash in there and and you just get some money that maybe you weren't expecting to have. That's kind of almost how I'm looking at this number 4 pick because one win as crazy as the Falcons season was last year. You know, you think back to Todd Gurley scoring that accidental touchdown against uh, Detroit, you know, the missed onside recovery in week 2. I like not to open up a lot of fresh wounds, but if any of those things happen differently and the Falcons win one more game, and so instead of 4 and 12, they're now 5 and 11, which means absolutely nothing in terms of how that season plays out, how fans feel heading into the offseason, what everybody's talking about right now. But it does change something massive, which is the Falcons are now probably drafting eighth or ninth instead of fourth, which shows you just how small those margins in the NFL really are. So this is a gift. And just like any type of you know cash gift or whatever, this is a big gift. This is, hey, we, we found $25,000. Boom, here's a check that you weren't expecting to, to get. So how do you decide to spend that money? Because you're probably not expecting to get something like that again. And this really does give you options. You could say, hey, I've always, I've been wanting a boat. This money came out of nowhere. Don't buy a boat. Boats are an awful investment. But we're going to go get this boat and we're going to be miserable with it for the rest of our lives. Awesome. Great. Cool. You got something you weren't expecting to have. You used it on a shiny toy. Maybe it makes your life great. Maybe it doesn't. But I think the smartest among us would probably set aside a good amount of that money that they didn't even really consider theirs a week ago and invest it in the future and say, hey, you know, let's, yes, we can make our lives great right now, but we could also set ourselves up for down the road with this awesome present that we basically got. And I think that's kind of how we should be looking at a quarterback here for Atlanta. Yeah, you don't necessarily need it, but... I mean, that's the whole concept of insurance, of strategizing, of building for the future, of investing, is so that you have no seams. You know, you are not just thinking about what's my one-year plan, what's my two-year, what's my 10-year plan? And this should be a 10-year plan type of move for Atlanta because we've seen teams who have gone from, you know, having it all with a quarterback to all of a sudden now that it's a rotating door and you don't want to have a rotating door in the NFL at the quarterback position. You cannot succeed that way. So that's how the Falcons, I think, should be approaching. Sure, this player we don't expect to see in 2021. Frankly, you hope you don't. But I don't think that anything that the Falcons did this offseason, Matt Ryan's reshuffling of his contract uh, included, I don't think that that I don't think that takes any options off the table for next year, including, you know, moving on from Matt Ryan. So everybody who's saying at minimum this player is sitting for two years, I don't necessarily believe that that's the case. This is a class that a lot of people believe is just kind of a special quarterback class. And there are drafts, you know, as I was going back and looking through everything, sometimes there's just a bad draft, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, man, this team really missed out on this player. That sucks. It's like, man, there's nothing here. You know, nobody got anybody. And and yeah, I think the 2015 draft is kind of the most recent version of that where just 
wait, nobody in the first round is still with their the team that drafted them? It's only been three years. How can that be possible? But it was because that just wasn't a very good draft. Conversely, you have drafts like 2011 where, you know, 12 of the first 15 players taken are future all pros. And you just could find any great player anywhere in the first round. And so it's only time will tell, you know, if this is, if there are a couple Josh Rosens in this class or, or what have you, but this is as full a lake to fish in for the quarterback position as, as we've seen recently. And couple that with, again, just this gift that Atlanta got to kind of be at number four and maybe hit, not reset, but pivot themselves into a much better version of the future than they maybe otherwise would have had. Because let's say the Falcons go seven and nine again. And, you know, maybe then people are talking themselves into, well, if Mac Jones slips or whatever, like, do you take him there? But if we play this down the road and, and it's 2023 and Matt Ryan is is a free agent and maybe is coming off of his first like okay season, that's a way different spot to be in than being able to kind of control your own future and deciding when to move on from a player as opposed to doing the one-year contract thing because you're looking for the next option. You'd rather have that in-house, know what you have, and then figure it out and make the best plan possible. But you at least have something in your back pocket that you expect to be moving into for the future. It's always best to have that plan in place, especially at the most important position in sports. It's something that Falcons fans haven't had to really deal with before, which you could look at that as both a, a good and a bad thing. I mean, on the one hand, Matt Ryan is obviously easily the most successful, accomplished quarterback in this franchise's history. And it's, you know, some it's going to be weird to say like, well, let's move on from Matt Ryan because we have Justin Fields in the fold and he sat for a year. Some people aren't going to want to do that because they still view Matt Ryan as, as a great quarterback. And so that's going to cause a little bit of conflict. But does anybody really want to do the Joey Harrington Chris Redman on and off again whole 2007 season because that would be kind of the alternative is you wait too long and then you don't have that plan in place. You know, do you want to be getting Carson Wentz and, and Philip Rivers like the Colts have done? And they've got a phenomenal roster, but now the thing kind of holding them back is is quarterback play. So each of these quarterbacks can do things athletically that is sets them apart from a normal quarterback in the NFL. And that is honestly what it really has started to take for these teams to win. You need to have a quarterback who brings something else to the table. For Tom Brady, that maybe is off the field leadership, his drive, his work ethic, because clearly that's a superhuman trait that he possesses in his own right. But you look at you know Patrick Mahomes, his ability to just create plays that you only see in Madden, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, all of these guys, Dak Prescott, these guys who can kind of create, do other things. Aaron Rodgers is in that conversation, obviously, as well. Each of these top four quarterbacks can do something outside of the parameters of an offense. They don't have to, you don't have to tailor your offense to them. They can, in a lot of ways, heighten your offense because of what they bring to the table that is different from, you know, just your average run-of-the-mill quarterback stepping into an offense. And so that's enticing to me as well. And it's a little bit why I lean towards just take the quarterback who you believe is a highest on your board, as long as you believe that they are first round talents. And I think, you know, there's no reason to believe that these guys aren't just take the quarterback, figure out what you've got, 
it's going to feel weird for people to not see the first round pick on the field maybe in 2021. But who's also to say that that's not going to be the case? Matt Ryan has been insanely healthy throughout his entire career. And knock on wood, no reason to want anything bad to happen. But this is the NFL. You know, you're only one play away from a potential injury. And, and right now the Falcons don't have any backup quarterbacks. So if if that happens and people are believing that they, you know, can compete next year with maybe a new coaching staff in place and, and some added players, you want to have the top possible insurance policy for Matt Ryan. I think we're seeing smart teams do that now. The Eagles probably don't win the Super Bowl if Nick Foles is not around. So that's an important part of this as well. And, you know, I'm I'm really curious to see where they go in this draft because each of these picks works. I mean, trade back, get more draft picks. There's a chance that this is the type of draft that really does reset your roster and pivots it for the future. Stay in place, take the best player available. If it's Kyle Pitts, you know, probably the odds on favorite right now. And that dude turns out to be, you know, better than Travis Kelsey, better than Rob Gronkowski. We're sitting here saying that was an absolute home run pick five, 10 years from now. You know, if that's a Julio Jones caliber of tight end, then yes, no matter the position, no matter who else was on the board, you're going to walk away from that pick saying that, that was a good pick. And then taking the best quarterback available. Sure, maybe the guy doesn't play in 2021. You're putting somebody at the most important position in an incredible starting spot to learn from, to develop while you get to watch him, while you get to evaluate him for a full season. And people will say, well, they're not playing uh, games or anything like that. You get a lot of reps in the NFL. I mean, they're going to be doing more football as rookies in the NFL than they have at any point previously in their entire lives. They are going to eat, sleep, breathe, football, and they're going to be doing it under the shadow of one of the best to ever play the game at the position. So they're going to be in a great spot to learn, develop as players, and then you get to decide when they are ready to really pivot and take over and become kind of the new face of the franchise. And, and Atlanta will be able to decide when that needs to happen. So really talented quarterbacks in this class, you could take one. The Falcons could make this the first draft in, in league history where quarterbacks go one through four. And I think that this is a class that's probably worthy of, of that being the case. I mean, I really do like a lot of these guys and, and even Mac Jones, you know, he doesn't do anything really outside of the confines of the play and the scheme, but what he does inside of the confines is still really damn good. So I like, I think he's going to be a good quarterback in this league, especially if he goes somewhere with Kyle Shanahan. But I just think that the quarterbacks who will be on the board still are way more than the Falcons should have dared to, you know, ask to hope for by the time they needed to move on from Matt Ryan. And so I just think it would be wise to probably pursue that option. Those are my thoughts on, on kind of where the Falcons stand um, with the draft. And I expect a lot of things to kind of change in the next couple of weeks. I, I don't necessarily know if we're going to know more about what the Falcons intend to do. Frankly, I hope we don't because I think they've played this absolutely perfectly so far. They don't have to let anybody know what they intend to do. All options should be on the table for them. And every media report that you're hearing where they're sending three to this guy's pro day, they're sending three to this guy's pro day, you know, they're entertaining trade talks. They've taught, they've talked about Kyle Pitts. All of that is absolutely the game that they should be playing because they should take this all the way to kind of the last minute. See if they do get a Godfather offer then evaluate the final offers options on the table for them. 
and figure out what they want to do. Use all 15 minutes on the clock and then go make a hell of a selection, Terry. Well, that'll do it here for the first Believe in Falcons podcast episode. Once again, I am your host, Will McFadden. I hope to have a guest uh, for the next podcast, going to reach out to, uh, you know, some people who've probably covered the team for, you know, about as long as I have, maybe even longer, get their thoughts on on the draft coming up, on just what it's like to have been covering the team for the past couple of years. What do they expect for the season? There are always kind of some things that get overshadowed by the draft. A lot of teams are making some small under the radar moves that really do boost their roster and the Falcons are, are no different adding, you know, some kind of under the radar free agent pickups. But the thing that Terry Fondo has been the best at is really finding those right, perfect guys. So I hope to kind of learn a little bit more about maybe what some of the reporters still covering the team are hearing, uh, talking to those guys, why they're excited maybe for their addition. So that's probably the plan for next week. But most importantly, I really hope you enjoyed this first episode. Once again, please like and subscribe if you did. And give me your feedback and let me know what you would like to hear more of, what you would like to hear in the future, and mostly what I should stop doing. So, all right, that'll do it, everybody. Uh, Take care and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.